right, you guys, this week is the first of four episodes that we are calling the Boundaries Refresh. Now, it is different than my I Do Boundaries study that we did earlier this year because I'm going to answer your questions. In fact, I'm asking you questions on my socials and emails, and I'm taking those questions and answers that you have, and I'm going to be using them live on the podcast. So be on the lookout, look at my socials, look at my stories and make sure and throw the biggest questions that you have when it comes to boundaries and these specific areas so we can serve you in that way and make sure we get you those answers. So I know a lot of you have asked me questions along the way, you know, like specific ones. You might say, I love the book, but how do I tell my mother-in-law no? Or maybe you're like, I love I love my work, but I don't know how to set boundaries and go above and beyond and bring excellence. And even harder, the biggest question is, how do I do boundaries in marriage? Like, aren't we supposed to be one? And how do I honor God with a boundary? Those are sticky and tricky and real life application questions that you have. So we're going to jump into this um, and we're going to do our best to answer these questions and hopefully give you some idea of how to stay powerful in your everyday life. So this week, we're going to look at boundaries in marriage, boundaries in marriage. Now, I know when I first started looking at boundaries. And it wasn't that I was looking at boundaries or looking for something new. I kind of washed up on the shore of a counselor's office and I felt defeated and overwhelmed. I felt exhausted and I was diagnosed with postpartum depression after my second son. Now, I didn't know what that particularly meant, but you guys know if you followed me a little bit, I ended up going on a journey where I began to discover where I began and where someone else ended. I began to learn the power of no, but not just no in a mean, cut you off, I can be angry two way, but a no that says yes to my values and my lifestyle and my faith. And that took courage and courage I didn't have because I believed that saying yes was the godly thing and saying no was a selfish thing. And that got me in trouble. So when I ended up in this counselor's office, I'm overwhelmed. I am tired. I'm thinking she's going to give me the secret to all my life's problems. And then I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep winning the kingdom and being a worship pastor and helping people along the way. And I was so wrong because she began to teach me this concept of boundaries. You know, boundaries like where I begin and where you end, what belongs in my yard and what doesn't belong in my yard, how to live around people that try to get in your yard and yet you know they're not supposed to be in your yard. And I began to learn these basic tools. And if you are curious about boundaries and you want the beginning to the end concepts, then you need my I Do Boundaries study. But that's kind of like the big picture. That's kind of the broad sense of boundaries. But for many of us, it goes deeper. And one of the biggest questions that I had in the very beginning and the biggest question I get every time I speak on boundaries publicly, it's without a doubt. I know it's coming. I prepare myself and I know it's the biggest question in your heart if this relates to you. And that is how do I do boundaries in marriage? How do I put up a boundary with my partner, with my significant other? 
And how do I know that I'm honoring God all along the way of not dividing us and not causing us to live in different camps? But how do I stay in unity, but be able to say no and say that doesn't honor what I want and and I got to be true to what I believe is right for me? And so we're going to look at boundaries. We're going to look at what it looks like in marriage. I can't answer all the questions but I'm going to do my best to unpack some of the core concepts that have worked for Ben and I. Now, I've been married for 15 years. I know we have a lot of listeners on here that you've been married for decades. And so you probably know this better than I do. And I'm not one to say I'm an expert in this field, but I'm learning and I'm using lifestyle leadership tips when it comes to boundaries that work. And I've watched a significant breakthrough in my marriage because the breakthrough came to me and because it came to me, it came through me into the relationship that was most important in my, in my earthly life. So let's talk about boundaries in marriage and let's look at what that looks like. Now, I want us to look at God first because God is the perfect picture of life itself. He gives us everything we need. And because he does it perfectly, he uncomplicates these things and gives us visual pictures of what he wants us to believe and see and do. So let's look at the Trinity, for instance. The Trinity is simple. It's it's the Godhead. Now, it's not simple in the complexity of the Trinity, but it's simple in the way that it's easily defined. So the Trinity is every single part of God, but they each have a different role and it's a Godhead and they all operate in unity and in unison to create, well, to create the glory of God and heaven and earth. So we look at the Godhead and first we have the father. And I talk about this in my radical growth course, which is growing a vibrant life in God. And that's if you're just learning your spiritual walk, go hit that course. But it's basically that the father was here from the beginning and the father loves us and he is perfectly holy and he is the creator of all things. And the father was, you know, he was on the earth. The Bible says the spirit hovered over the water. He was here from the very beginning. And you know that, (laughs) I don't know when eternity this all happened, but at some point uh, God created the earth and he put creation on the earth, and he put mankind on the earth. And we quickly learn that God in his perfection allowed Adam and Eve to be on the earth in a perfect environment, but they still were able to operate in free will, which meant God was not a dictator that required them or controlled them, but God allowed them to live on the earth, and to make full choices on their own. They got to choose to walk with God. They got to choose to be with him. They were living in perfection, right? I mean, the Garden of Eden was the best and most incredible, glorious place we could ever imagine. God was with them. There was no pain. There was no brokenness. There was no dead trees. There was no uh, dried up water. No, no, it was just luxurious. It was incredible. And they're walking with God and this is how they're created. And they, you know, they're working the land and they're naming the animals and it's perfection. And then we kind of jump in to the very beginning of the garden where Adam and Eve have a choice. And God says, Hey, you could eat of everything in the garden, but there's only one tree I don't want you to eat of. Now it wasn't that God was trying to torture them, 
but he wanted them to know that they had free will in the garden. This was critical because without free will, there is not whole love. There's no pure love. It's like if you're forced to marry someone, are you really in love? No, you're forced to marry them. God doesn't want us to be forced to be in relationship with him. He wants to put it on the table that we can choose not to so that we are fully powerful to make that decision on our own. And so we see this kind of battle and I'm going to fast forward because a lot of you know this story. We see this battle in the garden and we find that Eve makes a bad decision and then she gives it to Adam and Adam is fully powerful as well. And he makes a decision and immediately their eyes are opened and darkness and death and the sadness of sin is on the earth. And God comes looking for Adam and Eve and he says, where are you? Which is the first question God usually asks us when we are far from him. Where are you? And then he asked them what happened and they had sowed, you know, fig leaves and and they had tried to cover their nakedness because immediately they understood shame. They understood fear, all the things that he didn't want them to experience. And so in the beginning, in the middle of this moment, this messy moment, and really in the beginning of creation, we see this happen. Many of us would feel, well, destitute, like this is terrible. There's no hope. There's no way out. But that's not true. In fact, God was already creating a redemption story from the very beginning. So because God is all-powerful and all-knowing and has the capacity to have two things happening at the same time, he is not human, he began to work on a plan to redeem all humanity. And so thus, Jesus, fully God, fully man, sent to the earth to redeem the story of the brokenness of man. Because men, we are sinful creatures. The Bible says that we sin and we do. We lie, we steal, we cheat. And, you know, many of us go, well, I've done my best. I'm a good person. You know, I, I, I've done, I've never cheated actually. I've never really taken something, you know, and you think about Jesus, Jesus up the ante in the new Testament. He said, no, 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 I'm not talking about just stealing and killing and adultery. I'm talking about, have you ever looked at a woman with lust in your eyes? Have you ever coveted somebody? You know, has it ever happened in your heart? If it's happened in your heart, then that is the repercussion concussions of sin and sin destroys sin separates us from God. And so God knew somebody has to pay the price for sin because I can't be a perfect God sitting in heaven, you know, and I can't invite imperfect humans to come be in my glory. There has to be a price paid. It's the way of redemption. And so Jesus goes to earth, lives 33 years on the earth, three years of ministry, dies a gruesome death a death he did not deserve, dies, resurrected on the third day, and ascends to the right hand of the Father and is interceding on our behalf right now that we would listen to him because he said, and you hear him, Jesus and the fathers, you know, they're talking in heaven. They say, Father, I desire them to be with me where we are, which is in heaven. And this was the deepest cry of the Godhead. And then Jesus says, hey guys, to the disciples before he hits heaven, He looks around at his disciples and he says, I'm going to go be with the Father, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to be God within you. So Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us, Holy Spirit, a divine spirit within each of us, showing us what the Father is saying and what Jesus is saying, spirit, talking to spirit, 
uh, awaken something in us. Now, why am I talking about this? Because these are all distinctly different people, not people, but but Godhead, right? Gods within it. They're all the same God. They all share different roles, but they all have their own responsibility. They all have their own call. They all have their own authority. They don't lean into each other's. You don't see God, the father walking on the earth, the Holy Spirit's within us. We don't see Jesus coming back to earth saying, you know, Holy Spirit, you're not doing a good job. No, they each fall into suit and they're, well, they respect the boundary in which they can operate in perfection. And this is really important when it comes to marriage. Because God is not asking us to merge ourselves with our spouse to where we completely lose ourselves and Jesus becomes God and God becomes the Holy Spirit and they become this morphed trinity. No, no, no. They're each distinctly different, fully taking responsibility in their own lives and in their own spiritual lives and they're powerful. And that is so important. You see, I had to get my power back when I begin to ask my counselor, well, how am I going to set a boundary for my spouse? Like, are you serious? You want me to set a boundary for my spouse? Like, that's going to be crazy. It's going to stir up stuff. It's not going to be good. And she began to really challenge me. Listen, until you have full control over your choices and your attitudes and your feelings, you will not show up as a full person and you will hold that spouse responsible for your attitudes, your choices, and your feelings. Now, can I just stop you right here for a minute? The moment I started talking about spouses and talking about being powerful and talking about holding your own attitudes, choices, and feelings, you thought of your spouse. You thought of your spouse. You thought, you know what? This is really good. This will help them get powerful. This will help them show up. Guys, that is not living as a powerful person. We've talked about this in the boundaries book, but we believe that living the abundant life is being able to live that life without waiting for anyone else to participate. Hey, you guys, I want to interrupt this podcast because I have something time sensitive that I want you to know about. On September 13th, 14th, and 15th, I'm hosting a online three-day event, and it's absolutely free. All you have to do is register. We're calling it Created for More because we believe deep down inside all of us, there's a voice really connected to the way God created us that knows there's more on our life than maybe what we're living. And we want to help get that out, that purpose and that call. So we're going to look at three main topics we believe are critical for you to live this full, wholehearted life that you're called to. We're going to look at defining your boundaries. We're going to look at hearing and knowing God's voice. We're also going to discover how to chase those dreams God's way and maybe even find out if they're His dreams. So join me. It's absolutely free September 13th through the 15th. And if you like want to invite somebody, this is the perfect event because you can be anywhere. You can live anywhere. If you're in England, if you're in Ireland, if you're in Australia, this event is perfect for you. You can come to the event. So how do you get signed up? Very easy. Go to thetruthacademy.com. That's thetruthacademy.com or click the link in our show notes and make sure you sign up. Once you sign up, 
We'll take it from there and make sure you get all the reminders and you won't miss a thing. You guys, I'm so honored to do this life with you. And I really believe these are the moments that change our lives. All right, let's get back to the rest of the podcast. So living in boundaries is being able to fully own and steward these areas of my life and not allowing my spouse to dictate, to determine, or to even cause me to to melt in the middle of it, but to own it. My attitudes, my choices, my feelings, they are mine. And then their attitudes, choices, and feelings are their own. Now, I get it. Sometimes it's not cultural or it's not how we grew up or it's not how our mom did it or how his mom did it. But the truth is, this is your relationship. This is not your parents. This is not your sister. This is not your pastors. You are in your relationship. And God knows how to make two one, but he also does not require us to lose ourselves for the sake of our spouse. So if you're having a hard time right now, having boundaries, stop thinking, if I could just tell my spouse and start asking yourself, am I showing up wholehearted in my attitudes, choices, and feelings? And am I stewarding those in such a way that I don't need them to participate? They are mine. Now I understand their choices affect us. Ben's choices, we've been married for 15 years. His choices affect me. I can think about it. Even today, I was uh, getting ready. We were in Atlanta this weekend and we were getting ready to fly out and take three planes home. And I asked him, you know, what are you going to do on the plane? And he said, I'm going to work on my computer. And of course, I'm excited. I fly all the time and I've got my little rhythm. And so I have everything charged and everything's connected. And all of a sudden uh, we get on the plane and we actually get separated. I get upgraded on this flight and we get separated. And I, after about two hours, I wander back into a little bit more towards the front, but in the coach section, I look at my husband and I go, how are you doing? And I see him and he's not working on his computer. And so I say to him, Hey, what happened? Are you not, you're not going to work? And he goes, Oh, I, I my, my plug's not working. I, I can't get my computer working. And I said, okay, you know what? No problem. Why don't you give me your computer? your charger, I'll take it up to my seat and I'll plug it in. I've got room, no problem. So I take his computer, I take his cord and I go up there and I start, you know, plugging it in and trying to get it to work and it won't work. Something is wrong with the plug. I don't know what it is, but something is not working. So I uh, I start to feel anxious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's going to need his computer. We have two more flights. Uh, you know, I told him I would charge it. And I immediately start to feel anxious about it. And I just, you know, I want to go back and tell him I want to get up, but I don't want him to disturb the guy next to me. And so I just leave it alone and I wait until we land. Well, then we get on the next flight and now we're sitting together and I go, Hey babe, I got these new earbuds. You have yours. We can now watch a movie together on my iPad. Let's watch a movie together. He's like, yeah, this is great. So we both put our earpods in. And all of a sudden, his AirPods die. And I'm like, oh, no. I said, babe, did you charge your AirPods? He's like, you know, I didn't get to it. I was going to, but I didn't get to it. And immediately, I'm feeling like, you know what? I'm going to take out one earbud. I'm going to give it to him. We're going to sit together and watch this movie. 
And I could tell that I needed to shut the world out. I was exhausted. We've been going for three days. I'm going home to a full house. I know this is what I need. I need to sit with the soundproof system in my ears, watch something and unplug because the last flight I was on, the gentleman with me, we talked almost the whole flight and I was tired. I needed to unplug, but because the conversation was really important and I felt like I was sharing some really important truths into his life, I felt like I needed this rest. So you guys don't get it, right? I hope you're getting this. So I I sit there and for a minute I'm thinking, okay, I could give him mine. I don't have to watch this. I could do half half one ear, you take the other ear. And all of a sudden I just felt this moment where I realized whose responsibility was it to charge the computer? Bins. Whose responsibility was it to charge their earbuds? Bins. Okay, let me take it back even a step further. Just follow me on this. If Ben wanted his computer charged for the trip, is he powerful enough to do it? Yes. Did he not? No. Is Ben powerful enough to charge his earbuds for the trip? Yes. Did he do it? No. Did he do other things? Yes. Has he, if it was really, really important to him, would he have done it? Yes. And I just had to take this moment and realize that all this anxiety of his computer getting plugged in and his earbuds, and Ben is so chill. He looks at me and he goes, Babe, I'm going to read this. You watch your movie. No big deal. I kind of wanted to overfunction and be like, no, here's my earbud. Come on, let's do this together. And, you know, kind of over just pull him in and try to nurture the heck out of him. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, stop. Like, just stop. Ben is a powerful person. You don't need to mother him. He can do what he wants to do. He can watch his movie. He can read his book. He can charge his computer. He can do his own thing. And you can do your own. And then I felt myself wanting to lecture him. I know. I'm sure you guys never want to do this with your spouse. I wanted to say, okay, babe, so did you not think about charging these things? Like, did you not have a computer cord? I mean, what was the problem? Why didn't you ask me? I would have charged it. And I could feel myself amping up to lecture him. And I just heard the Holy Spirit say, stop, Havile. He doesn't need a lecture. He needs you to just do your thing. Own your space. Be a powerful person. And so I just popped my earbuds in, I opened up my iPad, and I watched a show, and I got an hour of time by myself. You guys, that's what I'm talking about. We do boundaries in marriage, but we do it with the Holy Spirit. We don't do it with anger. We don't stir it up, but we stop and we go, wait, what? where was I responsible and where were you? And how can I make your life the best life possible, but not take on things that are not in my yard? Remember, every overly responsible person needs an irresponsible person, and every irresponsible person needs an overly responsible person. Where are you in the game? Where do you land? You know, my husband usually lands in the over-responsible on certain aspects, and I sometimes land in the over-responsible parts of our lives in a different area. So once you start to understand that, then you can calm way down and go, you know what? I'm going to go back to the basics. I'm not going to overcomplicate this. Any situation you are facing right now, whether it's a full-blown affair, blow up your marriage moment, or whether it's you forgot to take the trash cans out, boundaries are applicable. They are exactly what you need to move through this moment 
and stay joyful and powerful and stay in the will of God. So I want you to ask yourself in every situation, where does my attitudes, choices, and feelings belong and what belongs to my spouse? You might even have these complex feelings, even with your adult children, which we'll talk about later. Get a piece of paper out. Come on, pull out that piece of paper, pull out that pen and write down on the left side, what is mine and the right side, what is theirs and begin to list it out, uncomplicate all this swirl and anxiety in your mind and begin to get clear and then make some clarifying moments and and quotes and say, you know what? I will not over function. I will not lecture. I will not punish. I will not play the victim. Whatever it is, you're going to get really clear and begin to get powerful. When you set a boundary for anyone in your life, including your spouse, most often you will be met with anger. Why? Anger is a secondary emotion and anger usually hides fear. It can hide shame Uh, It can hide sadness, loneliness. And so anger is not the first response. Anger is is the only thing that makes them feel powerful. It's like a false sense of control and power. And so when they're angry, I want you to take a step back. And instead of engaging them in the battle, I want you to say, wow, I just learned a lot. Look at that. When I told them that I don't want to go early, And they get mad that I'm not going to jump in the car and go early. Look at their response. That's interesting that they would say that to me. That's interesting they would call me that. Or, you know what? The trash did not get put out and you didn't remind me. Huh, isn't that interesting that you would hold me responsible for the trash when that's your responsibility? You're teaching me a lot. Thank you. And I wouldn't say that. But you want to you wanna move from an emotional response to an observer. You want to take a step back and go, okay, let me take a step back and look at what's happening right here. And what are the parts? How are they triggering me to act, to betray my boundary for the sake of peace or for the sake of them accepting me? Some of you betray your boundaries when somebody gives you the silent treatment. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Your mom shuts you out. Your sister shuts you out. Your husband shuts you out. They go to the garage. They go on a run. They jump in their car and leave. And your anxiety spikes and you think, I got to fix this. This is bad. They've shut me out. You know what? I'm just going to ask you this question. Are you going to have to violate your own boundaries and violate the part of you that knows that's not mine for the sake of peace? If so, then you are not going to trust yourself and you're going to break down the relationship. So pull back. There is no rush. Things can be changed, but you're going to have to unwind. You have bad habits. Ben and I had the worst habits as spouses. We would, we would fight. We would go, it's yours. No, it's mine. And we would go back and forth and he would get angry and I would play the victim. And I mean, we just had these terrible cycles. And it took me sitting in a counselor's office without him to begin to own my own things that I got my power back and stopped playing the mom and stopped playing uh, the victim and stopped, you know, feeling overwhelmed and started saying, you know what, if you never show up and participate, my life is still going to be great. My kids are still going to know God. They're still going to be in a good place because I am teaching them how to steward their internal world. And I can't 
I can't teach what I don't do myself. And so I've got to operate with this. They they learn through example. They don't learn through lectures. Uh-huh. All my overly responsible lectures, they're not learning through that. They're saying whatever you're doing is what I'm following, not what I'm listening to. So what happens when we try to set a boundary and they freak out? Well, I would set a boundary. Here's two different instances that I had to set a boundary early on in our marriage. And one of those boundaries was Ben would get really angry and he would run, you know, and slam a door or come at me and he wouldn't touch me, but he would kind of aggressively come at me and I would get so scared. And I finally told him, then I would kind of meet his aggression. Like, okay, if you want to come at me, I'll come at you. And we would kind of aggressively come at each other. And I remember telling my counselor, I don't know what to do. Like he's angry and I get scared and I get I get angry too. And then I want to fight back. And she said, well, what if you just calmly said, if you're going to be angry like this, I'm going to pack up the kids and head to my parents for the day. And I go, well, that's not manipulation. Like if I'm saying I'm going to leave and she said, no, 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 just follow me. What if you just said, I can see you're angry, but I'm not willing to to live with you disrespecting me like this. And so I'd be happy to continue the conversation if you want to be respectful. Otherwise, I'll be at my parents. You guys, I went home and I tried it. And Ben got angrier because here I am trying to set a boundary and we have this terrible habit. So I went back and I said, listen, it exploded even more and imploded. And I'm, I feel like I don't know what to do. And I'm in the car and I'm threatening him. And he's sitting out in front of the car saying, you're not going. And, and it's just terrible. And she said, well, why didn't you go to your parents? I said, well, I, I don't know. I, I didn't know I was, is that what I'm supposed to do? She said, I don't know why you're having a hard time doing this. If you told him you were going to do it, then you need to follow through or you are manipulating him. I was like, oh, okay. She said, he's never going to believe you if you never follow through. So the next time we got into it, I said, I need you to stop talking to me like this or, and this is, and I didn't say you are, but I said, this is turning disrespectful. I'm not willing to be around this. So if you want to talk respectful, I'd be happy to continue. Otherwise I'm going to get in the car and go to, it was my mom's and dad's or it was a pair, it was a friend, it was somebody's. And he goes, you can't leave. You know, you, you got to work this out. You know, it's always the person that you, you, you're running, you, you know, you're running away from this and you know, they're baiting you. They're baiting you in the middle of this because they're panicked. They're realizing they're losing control over the situation too. And I got in the car and I drove away and my heart is pounding. And I'm like, this is like a movie. Like, is he going to come after me? Which is so dumb. He's not, but it was just this anxiety of like, what's going to happen And I sat at my parents' house and we had the toddlers and we're eating dinner and a couple hours goes by. And then all of a sudden, my husband walks through my parents' doors and you could see he'd been crying and he has this soft response. And he says, can I talk to you? And we go out in the back patio and with tears in his eyes, he said, I'm so sorry. I disrespected you. I will not do that again. I make a commitment to you. You guys, the next time we start to fight, And it starts to escalate. And I say to him, if this escalates like this, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to get the kids and I'm going to head out. Guess what he did? He stopped right where he was. He said, no, no, no. I want to talk. Let's go into the living room and talk. And this is what I'm talking about. For many of you, you get baited. Whether it's a spouse, an adult child, it's somebody in your life, you get baited. They shut down. You immediately drive over to the house. You knock on the door. You're panicked. 
you're, you are fully violating. You want them to respect your boundaries, but you don't have them yourself. And so what you've got to do is start to set up boundaries. Another way that's really great, what we do in our house and we do it with each other is when things start to feel like, you know, you're losing it. You can kind of feel it as a, as a even, and I don't even mean like, you don't have to scream or yell. It could just be a dick. It could just be like a, you know, well, I wouldn't do that. Or I don't know why you're doing that. And you can feel it. You, instead of getting angry, you can say, listen, this conversation, not you, this conversation is turning disrespectful. I'd be happy to continue it in the living room when you're ready and then take your stuff and go to the living room. No screaming, no anger, no slamming doors, no threatening, just a simple. And if they follow you and say, this conversation is disrespectful, I'll be in my room. And you have to continue to train those around you that they have to be respectful to engage you. They don't get to hang out with you. Even my kids, it's the same thing. Mom, I need water. Why aren't you getting me water? And I say, I'd be happy to give you water when you ask mommy nicely. And we're talking about teaching people how to treat us. You are valuable and you're worthy of respect. So this is going to take an enormous amount of courage. It's going to take an enormous amount of effort. You're going to have to retrain yourself. You're going to have to unlearn these stupid patterns that we all get in, that we got in with our parents, or we got in with our siblings, or we got in with a past relationship. And we have to say, it stops here. I'm not going to do this anymore. And Ben and I, we broke the cycle. We've not done that in years and years. Why? Because now we believe each other. When someone says, I'm going to leave, or I'm this is disrespectful, I'll be in the other room. We don't shut the other one out. We respect them. We pull ourselves back and we're able to go, oh, I know it's in my yard right now. My attitudes, my choices, my feelings, that's in my yard and how I treat this person in my life. This is my brother first, then my husband, not like all weird, you know, but he's my brother in Christ. He's a child of God. That's who they are first. And so would I ever talk to a child of God like this? If not, then I need to rein myself in and ask myself, why am I feeling like I'm terrified or I'm ashamed or I'm afraid or why am I feeling so anxious and really do the work? Do the work, guys. You can't, you cannot shortcut boundaries. You can't slap a statement on something that you haven't worked out in your own journey. I have friends that go, I'm good at boundaries. What's in your yard? And I'm thinking, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I love you, but that you're not talking yard. You're using a phrase that you've heard, but everything you just did and said has no ability for you. There's, there's no sign that you actually know the content and you're putting it in action. And so that's really important. You know, we don't just know the word, but we do the word and that takes work. So do the work, do the work, stop looking at your spouse, do the work as much as you can, reach out for help, ask for help, get guidance, get counseling, and, and believe that anything is possible. God can transform relationships. It is not too late. It is not over. God is the redeemer of all things. And God can restore. It is not too late. So don't give up yet. If you're at a place in your marriage where you feel overwhelmed and forsaken and, and you feel betrayed, it is not over. You get to decide, am I going to be in this or not? Am I going to give or not? Am I going to invest or not? You are not powerless. I meet people all the time. Well, I have just this and, you know, he has the house and I have the kids and I go, who married him? Was there a gun at your wedding? 
Was there a gun at your head? Was it a hostile takeover? When you had your baby, was it a hostile takeover? You don't remember. It was a gun to your head in bed. I mean, and come on, guys, you got to go to that place in your own heart because the victim part of us wants to play the victim. We didn't know we were getting. We didn't know we were doing. It's true. You didn't know, but God did, and he will help you along the way. Maybe you're just at the end of your own effort, and maybe you're going to meet the grace of God when you stop trying to figure it out. And so be really, really gracious with yourself. And then lastly, I want to say, Your spouse is different when it comes to boundaries because you're living with this person and you do share a heart and a home and a body with each other. And so it's really important that you work on boundaries first with yourself and then with your partner. Yes, those are in order. And then with your children. If you don't have boundaries with your partner and you're trying to have with your kids, they will see the dysfunction. They will see that mom is not really, or dad is not really following through. And so you really have to work on it with yourself. And then once you work on it with yourself, then you work on it with your partner, and then you work on it with your children, and then you work on it with the outside world. And that's how boundaries work its best. It just is. So wherever you are in your marriage, grace, grace to you. We get it right. We get it bad. We keep trying. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but if he gets back up, He's called righteous. So keep working on it. Try those simple tools and tips that we have and go to your go to your spouse. Hey, if you're in a really bad crisis or you want to start something or maybe you're not in a crisis, but you're like, gosh, we got to start working on this for our kids' sake or I got to start working on this, you know, with our relationship, sit down, have a cup of coffee together and say, babe, I've done this wrong. I don't, I haven't done it poorly. Like I'm not, I'm not destroying our lives but I'm not really showing our kids what it looks like to be powerful. And so I, I got to, I got to try again. I'm, I'm being the apathetic parent. I'm being the lazy parent when it comes to the inside work. I, I'm not really trying. I'm, I'm being dominant. I'm overly dominating and I'm not letting you have a voice in our relationship and really work toward coming together, have a conversation, bring them on your side. Ben and I always say it's us against the world. It's not that we're against the world, but if you look at your spouse and say, listen, I don't want to go anywhere without you. Will you come with me? Oftentimes they're willing to join you in the journey. So I hope this helps you guys. Again, jump on socials if you have any questions. We're going to talk about boundaries all month long. You guys, that concludes our Home with Havila podcast. It's been a pretty good day. There's a lot we talked about. You might have to go and listen to this a couple times. And again, don't forget to check out the I Do Boundaries study for the full concepts. Um, If you got a question, leave a marriage, leave it on our socials, and we'll do our best to answer them. Let's continue this conversation online. If nothing else, I'll see you next week. And hey, I might even see you in your own neck of the woods. I'm going to be at all different places this month. So check out my speaking schedule. And don't forget to come say hi and take a selfie with me. All right. I love you guys. I'll see you next time. Thank you.